Welcome back to another episode of Conflict Theory. Today, we're going to be talking about the new public square. In 2017, the Supreme Court actually acknowledged the importance of social media as being the new public square, that it is the most important sort of platform space where people connect and share ideas in the political sphere. That's where we connect to our politicians. That's where politicians connect to us. It's just become a new landscape for our democracy, an essential service. But this is actually our second episode on social media, just to It's the first time we've ever done anything twice. And the first thing we have to cover again is social media because it is so important. And it wasn't long ago that our critiques of social media like Facebook was that they would censor the little guy. It'd censor maybe my posts and my content, but the content of blue check marks was relatively not criticized at all. You could say whatever you want. Republicans could say whatever they wanted about the coronavirus. And it wasn't until the elections, essentially, that Facebook and Twitter actually started uh, not censoring, but censuring uh, political uh, misinformation about the election. They would redirect you to more uh, credible sources. And they would even they even took a couple tweets down from prominent figures. So things were just changing very, very quickly. And they still are changing very, very quickly in the world of social media. This uh, this week or in the past couple weeks, we've seen the fastest growing social media site really ever just shut down out of existence. Amazon, uh, Google and Apple all worked together to ensure that Parler could no longer uh, function as an app in their stores or even on the internet generally. We're still seeing that's a developing story that might may change a bit in the future, whether or not Parler exists or not. But we are seeing like prominent Republicans like Donald Trump getting kicked off of platforms like Facebook and Twitter. Just all of a sudden, the president main means of communicating with his followers and journalists that was denied to him. And also for us, our main way of pushing the president to do the things we want as American citizens, that's been taken away from us as well, too. I can't tweet at Donald Trump this week, pardon Julian Assange, because that's exactly what I would be doing this week. I would reply to every post like, yeah, that's really interesting. Pardon Julian Assange. But I don't get to do that this week. Because Twitter decided that the benefit of me being able to communicate with the president is not does not outweigh the harm the president can do with that platform. And that's concerning. But I think what we need to realize here is that Jeff Bezos is not woke. Mark Zuckerberg is not our is not the leftist friend. What this is, is not companies doing the right thing. That's obviously not what this is. If if you're ever thinking that that's what this is, your, your answer is wrong. That's not what the companies are doing. What we're seeing is we just had a blue wave. The Democrats have the House. The Democrats have the Senate. They have the White House. This is essentially a late campaign donation to the Democrats. If the election looked different, if Donald Trump won, 
if Republicans maintained the Senate, we'd be seeing a very different reaction from our social media companies. We'd be seeing very different ideas being pushed. If Republicans won in a red wave, we'd probably be seeing them going after Antifa or the Bernie bros for, for microaggressions. They'd be using this exact same power that they have to give the Republicans a political gift. And right now, Democrats won. So maybe the bad guys, depending on our viewers, I know some conservative watch this too, but I am not. But in 2022, it could shift exactly the opposite direction because that's what we have. We have a public square that has been bought by big tech. Our public square, our public discourse in the United States, we still have freedom of speech, but where we give that speech and what speech is allowed is now determined by private companies. So what we need to be considering here is that we can't have our speech volatile to these whims of big tech. What is best for them politically and economically at that moment in time? We can't function that way for very long as a democracy. We need to start treating these social media companies like they are utilities. Just as I started with, the Supreme Court acknowledging the importance of things like Twitter and Facebook for communicating in the political sphere, we need to ensure more freedom of speech rights in that sphere, regardless of your political persuasion, regardless of sort of how radical your ideology might be. The fact of the matter is, uh, social media is functioning as a utility at this time. We, like most, uh, like not most, but a lot of companies now pretty much do all of their HR on Twitter. Oh, do you have an issue? Contact us on Twitter. Without uh, social media, that process is either very difficult, but is nearing impossible. Companies function, the market functions now in the social media sphere. If you want to lobby your politician, yeah, I guess I could send Donald Trump a letter now, but I doubt he's going to get it before uh, he's out of office. The only way I could really instantly reach the president and say, pardon Julian Assange, for instance, would be to tweet at him right now, something I don't have access to doing. So this is a crucial, it's acting as a crucial part of our democracy that is has been sort of politicized and marketed away from us. It is going to be incumbent going into the future that if social media companies want to continue operating with their essential monopoly, which they, which they have, and we got rid of net neutrality this year as well, so their monopoly has grown, grown even stronger, we need to start having them enforce some of these basic First Amendment rules. Now, that doesn't mean you can't ever get kicked off social media. Like you should at least be given some level of due process and a viable alternative, such as a parlor, for instance, where you can still get that message out. But that's not the world we have. And it's very dangerous going forward if our democracy is completely run by Jeff Bezos, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon. But that is my soapbox. I'm going to give it over to Alan. Who might wow, that was, with that was uh, quite the soapbox, Paul. That, uh, that was, uh, wow, this is obviously something you're really passionate about. So, so um, good. I'm glad we're talking about it again. Um, yeah, it's interesting you would use the word that, that they, they bought the public square from us. Well, actually, they, they built 
an alternative public square for us. And um, the main difference between this public square and prior public squares, well, there's there are, there are various differences, but but one of the differences I want to point out here is uh, is is the the expectations. Um, in the prior public square, where you had um, you know things like the New York Times and and you know the ma mainstream media and uh, television news and those things, you had um, you know an, an arbitrator and a uh, an editor who essentially decided you know what was going to um, be put out by that particular company, and you didn't expect you Paul, me, Alan, uh, you listener didn't expect that you would necessarily be able to get your point of view on there. You had to convince, you know, the 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 editor that it was that it was true. It was it was worthwhile, and it was something they wanted to do. Well, social media doesn't have that expectation. We have the expectation that we should be able to say and do whatever it is we want to say and do. But it's still owned by somebody else, right? Facebook is still providing uh, servers and and systems and 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 a whole crew of tens of thousands of employees and you know they they it, their resources are are involved in this every bit as much as you know the the New York Times's resources are involved when they publish a paper it's just that historically they have said you know you can pretty much come on here and say whatever it is that 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 you want to say and that expectation is changing and it's causing some 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 upset feelings and people feeling like they're being discriminated against etc but, you know, again, it's the expectation rather than uh, any real, you know, legal or structural difference here. Facebook is merely exhibiting exactly the same or exercising exactly the same rights that, that you know, the New York Times and, and ABC News have for, for, for decades and centuries in the case of the New York Times. So, you know, the, it's when expectations change that, that people start to get upset. Now, the question is, should they change that expectation, right? Um, and should they change their, their, their policies? And this is where it starts to get a lot more complex, right? I, I, I disagree with your statement that if the Republicans had had won, then then they would be targeting Democrats or whatever. I, I think, well, so if Republicans had won, then we wouldn't have this false narrative, multiple times disproven narrative of a stolen election. Um, you know, we we have uh, lots of lots of evidence of people having, you know, the the opportunity to, to do something, but no evidence of anybody actually committing fraud. And again, uh, Trump outperformed the polls by like five percent. And normally, like in a you know a, a less developed country, when somebody outperforms the polls, it's a sign that their side cheated, right? So here we're saying that the side that the the side that outperformed the polls was in fact was cheated against, which just makes zero sense. And of course, you know, all the evidence in the court court rulings prove that it's it, it it's not the case that that you know this election was not stolen it was not fraudulent in, in any meaningful manner at all but people kept making that claim so much so that we have a significant minority of this country maybe 30 or 40 percent of the people in this country who still believe that the election was stolen uh, many of the more militant types decided to show up in Washington DC last week and you know uh, or a week and a half ago and and things did not go very well right so so um, you know there's there's clearly a motive to change the policy because they're getting riled up by false information there are previous attempts to uh, to kind of censure that information as you as you described it by putting on the little you know the, the little uh, uh, editorial co comments you know um, Here's a link to some more cred credible information. That kind of stuff, obviously, wasn't wasn't adequate. So they are trying to take the next the, the next most logical step, and that is to 
um, you know, just ban people who um, seem to be unable to control themselves from from putting through information that they have a really really strong um, you know evidence to uh, believe is is uh, false and misleading and um, obviously in this case dangerous. So um, yeah, it's uh, I think it's the the. The, the, the reason they targeted Republicans is because Rep- Republicans are the ones that have been spreading this, not not all of them, mind you, not all of them, a uh, minority of them, right? A small mi- minority of them um, have been positing this this um, the, this false narrative about a stolen election and, and um, you know, hence they needed to be, a couple of them anyway, needed to be removed. Now, your comment about regulating them like a utility, I think that is probably something that is um, is, is, is going to happen over the course of the Biden administration. I think it'll get a lot more bipartisan support now than I think maybe it would have. You know, Republicans in general have been opposed to regulating the, the net. You mentioned net neutrality. That was mostly the Democratic law. It had a couple good parts and some bad parts. I wasn't sad to see it go, but uh, but there are some um, there are some things that you know we may need to do to make sure that that we treat them more more like utility and less like a completely free uh, uh, press like the, the New York Times or um, Fox News. So this has been part one of conflict theory. We're going to take a short break. It's not going to be an ad break, but we still need to take a break. We'll make a pretend ad break here. Throughout the course of this has been Mr. Atomic you've been listening to. Thank you to them. They're a local band from Denver that's kindly letting us use their music for these podcasts. And I think it really improves the listening experience. So thank you to Mr. Atomic for that. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back. From the soapboxes, you've probably gathered that Alan and I, we're, we seem to disagree, but not necessarily on what we think would be good, but on whether how we'll get there, I guess, on the mechanisms for getting to what's good. Do you think that's fair, Alan? Yeah, fair enough. I'm um, I'm really interested to see what sorts of uh, proposals can come come out in Congress in this next session about how to how to do some of this regulation because you know it's um, I don't know it's a really difficult subject and and you know there are constitutional implications as you've already mentioned and it's uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation. You know, something we we didn't talk about on our soapboxes that we probably need to, and that is the effect of social media on the public discourse as a whole. You know, when you were literally going down to the public square, <laughs> then then people were, you know, getting exposed to the same set of facts and, and the same set of, um, of data, right? And when you're reading, you know, the town newspaper, you know, everybody gets the same set of facts and the same the same data. Social media, that's not the case. And it's not the case on cable TV. It's not the case on the internet, right? People tend to go to their own websites that kind of support their own ideals. And so people become more liberal over time. People become more conservative over time. Uh, it's more easy to get radicalized because you're never exposing yourself to the to the media sites and the facts and, and data that support the other side of the equation. And that's something we got to figure out, right? I mean, that's the whole thing with the, with Parler in particular, right? So, you know, their claim to fame is they were, you know, a free speech medium and you can come, come on and say whatever you wanted to say, but, you know, it's easy to get um, more and more radicalized in that, in that perspective, because again, you know, the people who are the far alt-right militaristic, they're going to have their own little conversations and keep getting farther and farther out there. And same for groups on the left. 
the Antifas, et cetera. And so, uh, gosh, it's a difficult situation when, when people are not dealing with the same facts, the same data, and uh, or even anything that even gives gives the other side of the uh, of the fence, so to speak, any any credibility or any any legitimacy at all. Uh, way too easy to call people names and and you know tell say say that they don't know what they're talking about um, when in fact they're just being exposed to a different set of facts and data that may be equally true or or equally not true. There was there was a lot in there, but I think that we can take that first. So, firstly, let, you you were talking about the possible new policy stuff. And I think the policy stuff is like the least interesting, but let's, let's get that out of the way. Cause I'm sort of confused why you think it's inevitable that they're going to come up with new regulations on the social media companies. Cause the people who really wanted new regulations was Donald Trump. The Democrats were fine with the status quo. And now that Facebook and Twitter just gave them this giant campaign contribution of banning the right wing. Like, why do you think now things are going to change. It seems less likely now than ever. Well, Jan- Jan- January of an odd-numbered year is a strange time to give a political don or excuse me, a campaign donation. The can- campaign is already over. I don't know that that was necessarily uh, mo- motivated by any of that, but but you know, um, you know, for you know, the whole net neutrality stuff, for example, was a a primarily Democratic law. Um, the Republicans, as a general rule, opposed it. So, you know, they're going to want to um, um, have something along those lines. And do you think they tend to be less trusting, if you will, of, of um, you know, large corporations? Um, and so there'll be a lot of them that are that are interested in, in putting in some regulations. And now, of course, the uh, Republicans will be interested in some regulations since their side has been taking the brunt of, of, of this last round of, of censorship. I don't think January is as weird of a time as you think it is political donation it's not about like getting the person you want in charge it's about buying the people in charge making january an ideal time to buy the politician all right right. you already know who's in charge (laughs) fair enough because like we're talking about like good faith like trump if it was truly just apolitical, then twitter or facebook or somebody would have done this months or years ago like the you know, Michigan- I, I agree. I mean, it would have been a whole different conversation for them, right? If 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 Trump were were were, were elected. Now, first of all, the the immediate trigger for this was the you know the repeated falsehoods and um and and, and calls for action on the falsehoods around the election. And those wouldn't have happened had 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 Trump been declared the winner instead of Biden been declaring the winner. But if something comparable would have come up, uh, it, it would be an interesting discussion for them. It'd be hard for them to turn off, you know, uh, the president of the United States is going to be president for another four years. Um, that would be a really hard, really hard conversation. But to say, you know, this guy uh, has only got two weeks left. Look what he did on January 6th. Let's not let that happen again. And, you know, kiss it good goodbye, so to speak. But to the extent that there were Republicans who are interested in him running again in 2024, uh, he, I don't think he's said anything one way or the other about that. But you know, if that was something he was considering, well, this is this is in fact a campaign con- contribution in, in every sense of the word that you're that you're using it in, Paul. And he's permanently banned until they change their mind, at least. And that's taken away his biggest way of, of communicating with his with his uh, fans. But like on the sort of good faith side of things, like yeah, they this was beyond the pale. This is where he finally crossed the line. It was is the narrative of the capital situation, but. Right. There was a planned kidnapping of the Michigan mayor, and Trump's response was liberate Michigan. Right. Like, that's an incitement to violence. 
I mean, yeah, he's Michigan, retweeted uh, white power. Michigan things. governor, not uh, no, not mayor, just a small. Oh, correction. sorry, governor, governor. Yep, yep, sorry. But he's retweeted white power. He actually bought Facebook ads with Nazi imagery in them. Like, there's plenty of points that we could have said this is this is where we draw the line. But they waited right. until the re- Democrats were coming into office. Now it's safe to draw the line. Well, you wait till there's a sedition on the Capitol. I guess I, I don't know, but. Um, um... Yeah, and you know, to some extent, it's the straw that broke the camel's back, right? You had you had all these incidents come coming up, and he is the president of the United States, and you, gosh, you can't really can't really turn off the president of the United States, right? But then you get that event on January sixth with uh, you know the Capitol siege, and you know apparent intentions of at least some of the people in the crowd to you know murder members of Congress. Hopefully, that's a very very small number of people with that intention. Hopefully, you can count it on on your fingers, but but at least a few apparently had that intention, and you know. <laughs> You can't have the president inciting, um, he's got plausible deniability. I didn't mean for them to do all this. Well, you know, you look at his words and you can certainly understand why why they reacted the way they did. You can't have the president doing that, you know, particularly if he doesn't understand the power of his words and is, is doing stuff that um, causing ramifications that he doesn't expect or doesn't realize. That gets me to uh, something that I, I feel like you're conflating a bit because you're right. talking about the election misinformation out there, which is totally protected by the First Amendment. We can lie if we want to. We have a legal right to lie whatever we want. That's a cool thing we can do. So that's not really the big issue. Not even like Amazon, Google, they're not even saying, because you lied, we're taking this right away from you. We're taking away your Twitter. Like it was the incitement of violence. Right. And it's which not was, that misinformation. Which was the culmination of the lie that the big lie per se, right? I mean, he's he's been executing a big lie in the in the global sense of that word, right? Of of saying ridiculous things over and over and over and over again from from you know multiple supposed to be credible sources, and hence he gets this this rousing crowd, and and he was exploiting that, so they got to stop him from continuing the big lie. But they're not going to stop the big lie. You can still question election results on social media yeah. and in public squares and on the new, sure. in the New York times. Like there's a lot of places where you can still do that. Sure. You just can't do the violence inciting part of the thing. Oh, fair enough. But another issue is you're saying social media can moderate their content just like the New York times, but obviously they, they can't. Like the New York Times is a publisher. That's Facebook isn't a publisher. Like that's what social media is. It is not a publisher, as an oversimplified definition. Right. It's simply a platform, right? Without the editing and and, and the moderation. But they they are trying to get there, right? So they've they've built these these bots that you know scan looking for key keywords and do things to try to catch you know the content that they think is um, is to be censored at least and to use your, your your term again if not outright censored and um you know they're they're trying to get there so and i'm sure their capabilities to, to do so will grow and expand over time but under article 230 it says that that type of moderation has to be done more or less apolitically and in good faith article 230 of the 230 is the one that is the law that trump really dislikes because he thinks it's the reason social media can be unfair. Okay. The original law that it was a part of was actually deemed unconstitutional, but the Supreme court argued that, or said it was severable from the rest of the bill. So it's really kind of standalone now. Okay. 
But what 230 does is it gives companies limited moderation protections while still maintaining platform status, not publisher status. And the difference there is if the New York Times comes out and says, you should violently overthrow the Capitol. If the New York Times said that, well, we can sue the New York Times. They are responsible for the thing they published. Now, if I go on Facebook and I post that, I can be held accountable, but Facebook cannot. Right. Yeah, I mean, we could we 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 could make that argument right here in our podcast, right? And the you know the various pod podcast um, hosting sites wouldn't you know shouldn't face any liability for what you and I say here, right? And we do say radical things on this podcast. Yeah, once in a while. Yeah, I mean, nothing uh, n- nothing that incites violence. I hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Nothing yeah. yet, but for that protection like their moderation has to be made in good faith. That's where you say like, okay, we want it to be family friendly. So we're not going to show nudity or pornography. We, they can say things like, Oh, family friendly, let's get rid of the violence. But it's only until very recently that they started going after legitimate news. That's what spawned our whole episode, whether or not they were justified in totally canceling a news a valid news story about Hunter Biden. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly where you stood on that one. I was absent for that one. <laughs> ah, okay. That's why I don't remember. But the idea that now they're arbiters of truth, like that's concerning. And they're not even good arbiters of truth. Like just today, they they said that the Rolling Stones reported that Marilyn Manson was getting back together to play music again. that's true Marilyn Manson is doing that but the band the Rolling Stones had nothing to do with that yes they they missourced the Rolling Stone but so I mean okay so I mean we can we can make this you know arbiter of truth thing but that doesn't that wouldn't explain the the you know the uh the 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 cloud providers the Amazons and the the Microsofts and the and the and and the app providers like like Google and Apple they 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 took down Parler regardless of of the fact that you know most of what's on there may may be true right they took it down because Parler is refusing to, or at least so far has has failed to make any attempt to be an arbiter of truth. So that that's taken it a whole another step, right? It's not only that you're going going to try to go after certain things that that you deem to be false, but it's also that you're going to take down a whole platform that that says it won't go after things that it believes are false. So that's a that's t- taken it to a whole other step. And again, you know, Amazon and 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 Microsoft and Google and and Apple, they have the right to do that. It's their it's their money. It's their servers. It's their app stores. It's you know, it's within their rights to do that. But Gosh, um, it sure sets a an interesting precedent for us that that we're going to take people off because they they have attracted people who tend to spout lies as well as people who don't spout lies, um, and the uh, platform's not making any attempt to try to distinguish between the two. But again, even in that case, lying isn't the issue. wasn't Amazon's issue. It wasn't Google's issue. It was the violence. That's yeah, the incitement of violence at the Capitol. Yeah, and you know the con- continuing incitement of violence with the white supremacist groups and, you know, some of the ex- extremist groups on, on the left that, that apparently are on that site. But Facebook was definitely more integral into like the capital siege than Parler was just by right. user base. Like there was more incitements of violence on Facebook than there was on Parler. Probably. Right. I can't prove yeah. that. Yeah. No, that'd be my guess too. But they decided 
oh, well, we're just going to take down Parler. And it's not because they're more violent, it's just because they're smaller. Amazon owns Twitch, so they're a direct competitor of Parler. Google owns their own social media, kind of, and YouTube. So they're a direct competitor of Parler. Like, that's this isn't good. Fi- Parler didn't get banned because there's, a, there's violence on there. That would ban every social media platform. Um, Parler got banned because they're not making any attempts to try to control it, right? So, um, and the others are at least at least putting some some words to um, and some some effort to trying to control it. So, ah, uh, and you've missed the episode when we were talking about this before. But I guess the question is, can something like Parler exist? Then, can you have an open forum on the media where you have all the same First Amendment? First Amendment rights you have in real life. Can this exist? Or did we just decide as a society that no, the First Amendment ends when you get online? Yeah, here's where that the details of that regulation are gonna come 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 into play. Now Parlor will be back up and running, I'm sure. You know, they they have something on their on their site now saying that they're they will return. Um and, you know, I mean, they're going to have to build themselves a server farm, right? So, so that they control it themselves. That'll take some money and a little time, but I'm sure they can make it happen. So then it's all their stuff and they can do what they want with it. And then, you know, the question is, are we going to regulate that? Or do we just let them be the completely free and uncensored, say whatever the heck you want to say without any any sort of um, check on it whatsoever? Do we let that happen? You know, I mean, certainly you can do, do that with your own printing presses today, um, you know, and have your own little ma- mailing lists, you know. KKK has their mailing list and they send out, you know, their newsletters at, via email or via um, p- paper newsletters that, you know, go out to, go out to, the, to their membership and saying whatever it is they want to say. So, you know, it's certainly not unprecedented that we allow that in our in our country. There's the thing that makes it a little bit different is just so it's almost free and super easy to, to, to do so on the web. I mean, what you're advocating for is expensive speech. I'm advocating for free speech. Parlor is my not parlor isn't my printing press, but Facebook is my printing press. I can control where that information goes and when I want that when I want that information to go out, I have complete control over it. And yes, I could if go buy my own printing press, but that's very expensive speech. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, and, and that has its own ramifications, right? Are, are we going to limit for free speech only to the rich? Well, you know, there's a point to be made that that's how it's been historically, and that's probably not a good thing. So, so, um, so yeah, no, there's just a ton of issues. I, that's why I say I'm really curious to see how the how the whole uh, re- regulation thing comes out, because once you start opening the box, the Pandora's box of we're going to start regulating this stuff, you know, unintended consequences galore. So, um, I mean, I, I understand why there's why people would feel the need to do this, you know, because of all the constitutional issues and all the unintended consequences that you get when you start playing in the space. But but we'll see what happens with it. I don't understand your source of optimism here. Like what optimism we're, about So so we're asking the government to step in to reduce censorship. That's almost never what the government does. No, they, They're they, always they... pro censor. Yeah, they, now, they they would be increasing censorship, and I I I, I think there's a, a definitely strong strong argument uh, you know opposed to that. <laughs> so how do we get? So now whether it's the government or big tech, like censorship is just real and seemingly unavoidable. Like how do we get around that? We don't have a dog on our side. Well, yeah, I mean, back to your, you know, I'm, uh, I'm advocating for you spending money to, uh, to, to, to share around your speech, right? That's, that's kind of, kind of what it comes down to. So yeah, right, right now you have um, Facebook and, and Twitter and, and, you know, 
Now, um, Amazon and folks censoring the speech, if you replace that with the government, I don't necessarily see good things happening there. I don't, I'm not even sure I see it um, passing constitutional muster. So I don't know what's going to, I don't know. We, we have ourselves in a mess here, right? And it's a mess that we had before, but was exacerbated by the fact that we now have free speech where people are more and more cocooned and isolated in their, in, in their own, you know, in only their own news sources, put, put news in quotes there and in their own sources of, of information, be it factual or not. And um, they get far, farther and farther cocooned and it, it drives them farther and farther away from people who are in other cocoons and hard to come back together and have any sort of civil discourse when you're, first of all, not used to treating the other side with any respect and second of all, don't have any idea what facts and data they're, they're working with. Yeah. Like you, you, you got the point about like the fracturing of society the, the echo chambers, but a word that a replacement for echo chambers, another word that they use for it is called a Google bubble. Fair enough. The companies caused this issue largely through their own algorithms and like human choice. Like I choose these things and get further into my own bubble, but also like I followed, I, I forget who it was. I followed some right winger on Twitter. Now I get suggestions for other right wingers all of the time. It's their algorithm yeah. that's pushing me down this rabbit hole. So they caused this problem. Well, I doubt they're going to fix it. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know that I doubt they will fix it either because they're trying to encourage more, more usage and gosh, you know, what are they supposed to do? Try try to get you to do stuff you're not interested in. No, of course not. <laughs> they're going to try to get you to do stuff you're interested in. So, so yeah, there's lots of reasons for it. It's an intractable problem. I don't immediately see a regulatory solution to it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Congress tries one. It's funny. I was, I was actually kind of excited when Parler came to existence. Obviously, not something I would use, but I figure worst case scenario or best case scenario, I should say, well, the conservatives are going to go have their conversation with themselves over there. And my Facebook page and Twitter page is going to look a little cleaner. Thank you, Parler, <laughs> for detracting, for, for taking away some of those people. Yeah. But also, because I am a bit of a young radical with some big ideas, part was probably thinking long term, it's going to pull folks in from the left as well, too. Sure. It wasn't long ago. It was 2018 when Google, when Apple bullied Tumblr out of having nudity on their platform. Like Tumblr just had to get rid of anything mildly pornographic because Apple bullied them into it. And now have you, when was the last time you heard of Tumblr? They've been, they're thrown into irrelevancy. They were a competitor with big tech companies. They got bullied and now they're, they're, I guess they still exist, but they're pretty much gone now. I used to see Tumblr articles all the time. Yeah, I was never a big Tumblr user, but I agree. I haven't really heard much about them lately. You're saying like, this is these companies' rights, like Amazon and Google. And I I pick on Amazon and Google because they're direct competitors with Parler. Isn't this sort of monopolistic behavior? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, uh, you know, the New York Times doesn't have to uh, aid and abet um, the New York Post. Right? They 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 can force the the New York Post to pub- publish their own paper. Amazon can can force uh, to, uh, Parler to get get their own servers. Now, I'm a little concerned about that from a con- contractual perspective because one would think they have a contractual arrangement with with Parler, but there's probably something in them in the contract that that gives uh, Amazon the right to kick them out if there's you know something objectionable. <laughs> yeah, they. Pretty much all of them have similar contracts and Parler, by the very nature that they don't censor things like hate speech, 
like even if they had like all the algorithms to find the 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 illegal stuff the illegal information amazon and google they have additional qualifications to use their platform that you have to be against hate speech as well and parlor would never do that because it's free speech Right. That's they, they they want their platform to be a place where you can say anything that's legal. And big tech right now doesn't want that. Right. If Republicans win the House again, I, these companies might have a huge change of opinion. You're like, actually, we we aspire to First Amendment values now that we have a Republican president again. That might happen. Possible. But yeah, when the left starts getting canceled, I, I don't know where the left would go. Probably go the same place as the right wing's going to end up going. Where do you think they're going to go without Parler now? You know, they they will find some place. That's the that's the thing, right? So the platform may change, the copyright at the bottom of the page may change, but it'll be someplace out there. Hopefully, um, you know, law enforcement can follow them over there for the for, for for the people who are spreading things that are not legal. But vast vast majority of it is is legal, as you say. And so, doesn't that make well, you were talking about the the echo chambers, the Google bubbles. Doesn't that make that worse? Oh, absolutely. Like if we just push them further underground. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But but not meaningfully, I guess you might say. Um, not substantially, I guess is a better way of saying it. Because you know, as, as you say, you you have one particular right wing guy that you you follow on Twitter, but otherwise you're kind of kind of in your cocoon. Doesn't matter if if those people are on Twitter, if they're on another platform, you're still you're still not reading them. And same, same, same for me. I'm not on Twitter at all, but um, you know, from a f- Facebook perspective, I don't really follow political sources and things. But, but people do put themselves in their cocoon, and it doesn't really matter if it's all on the same platform or on a different one. But it does make it just that one step harder if it's on a d- different platform. If I were to go search for somebody who is of a particular political leaning, it's uh, you know easier to find them if they're on the same platform as I'm on, certainly. So you think we're pretty much at peak fracturing already? Oh, never say never, I guess, as far as, you know, can, can, can it get worse? But um, we're, we're pretty darn fractured. I'm curious to see uh, what happens over the next four years where we have a, a president who's at least putting a lot of uh, a lot of lip, lip service up front to, you know, we need to reunite the country and we need to go go, to, go together as, as one country as opposed to this, you know, badly d- divided mess that we've gotten into over the last mm, 15 to 20 years. So I guess the last thing that I'd have is just the bigger sort of philosophical side of things. On social media, where do you draw the, can we, do you think we should be able to lie on social media? Yes. Um, constitutionally, you have a right to lie. On social media, should we be able to lie? Or should Facebook be like, nope, you're not six foot. Quit lying to me. You're five <laughs> nine. We measured you. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, so I guess, I guess the, from Facebook's perspective, the, the issue becomes, you know, is it, is it something that's going to contribute to a, a uh, you know societal impact of some kind. So the fact that I you know claim that I'm five five inches taller than I actually am, you know that's not going to have a societal impact per se. So so you can lie so long as it doesn't have or isn't likely to have a big societal impact. Well, I, I mean I can lie. Period. The the, the question is um, should Facebook censor that in any in any form? And um, you know they're not going to bother with things that don't have a societal impact. That's probably fair. What what about hate speech? So yeah, you have the right to have hate speech, but you know, once you start advocating actions based on that hate speech, that's where you start to, to cross the line, right? So you can you can hold your rallies and you can give your speeches and things, but if you start you know acting out that hate toward toward the people that you um, that that you hate, that's where you 
you know, across all constitutional bounds and all, all legal grounds and all ethical and moral, moral grounds, although morally I, I'm opposed to hate speech anyway. But, but from a, a legal constitutional perspective, I, I grant that you, you had the right for that. Facebook now has been trying to to limit that stuff too and cutting out the the, the worst of the of the you know the particularly the racist stuff but also the you know the hate speech across political bounds too okay and i i think i'm with you on both of these issues with one major caveat i think yeah you can lie and if lies get out of control social media companies should or at least can act to address that i don't want hate speech on my platform i wouldn't want to use a social media site that had a lot or allowed a significant amount of hate speech but i think whether it's information that is largely perceived to be as untrue or whether it's just harmful uh speech like hate speech there needs to be some kind of platform where that is allowed So maybe that means we need a public utility social media site, like the government needs to start up or buy its own Facebook or buy an existing social media site where you can essentially have the values of the First Amendment, like just a public option, because we we can't just cancel an entire political movement. Or when I say we, I mean, we can't let big tech cancel an entire uh, political movement. Sure, I'm with them on this one. I be- I agree and believe that this movement is harmful, but because they waited until after the election to do it, I don't trust their motives. I don't think they I don't think Zuckerberg is woke. He would he'd be just as happy to do it to me. I agree he'd be just as happy to do it to you. The the um the, I, I don't want government money going toward uh speech platforms. It's it needs to be private money doing private speech. Government money needs to be put out uh, spent to put out government speech. So all the government documents and all the the, the regular regulations and the State Department pronouncements and all those things, those are things that government resources should be going for. I would not want government resources going to publish and disseminate private speech. So are you against like public access channels? Because that's essentially what I'm advocating for. But instead of TV, it's social media. Well, public access channels, uh, to a great extent, public access channels put out, um, uh, you know, information of, of the government, right? They've got, they've got um, city council meetings and, you know, meetings of the utilities board or the, you know, the water, water utilities or all those kinds of things. Now, some some of them will allow sh- certain shows, um, and yeah, I don't really think public uh, money should be spent on that. So, also, no public money for things like NPR. Um, so NPR is sort of a special case in that it's got, uh, some, some educational aspects to it also, but yeah, I'm, I get a little nervous about some of the, some of the public funding for NPR in general. I'm a, I'm, I'm an NPR and, and, and PBS fan, but I can understand why, why people get concerned about it. It needs to have that educational perspective. And I guess back to the public access channels also, there's certainly a lot of those. What city was I in? And I was watching their public access channel and they had, you know, uh, English as a second language. And then it was followed by something about, you know, gardening in, in, in this region of the country or whatever. So, so those, those kinds of things I think are, you know, worthy uses of, of, of public money. But, you know, to say, here's a, here's a free platform, uh, government funded platform to say whatever it is you want to say. And uh, now I don't really think the government should be funding that. You, you, you find your own speech. We disagree on whether or not they should do that. But <clears throat> even in your world where we can't have the government provide a platform so that we can 
better express our First Amendment rights, then we have to regulate the social media companies to make them more like the public access version of them. Then they then we need to impose First Amendment protections on Facebook and Twitter, which might make those platforms worse. But there needs to be some place on the internet where you can ex- where you can be just totally free to have the First Amendment, right? I'm sure there's plenty of places out there. They just haven't risen to the dominance of your Facebooks and Twitters. You know, Parler was going to get a huge boost out of this, right? With all the all the people de- defecting from from Twitter and, and Facebook to go over there, and then you know, Amazon said, "I'm oh, sorry." Yeah. So, yeah. Then their direct competitor, economic competitor, said no. Um, yeah, well, it's a complex relationship, but yeah, um, they do have a very, very small piece of their business that does compete with Parler. I'm sure over the course of the coming weeks, you know, we will we will learn who the winner has been. But there's some platform out there that's that's to taking this stuff and hasn't been shut off yet, and they're busy building their own uh, server farms to make sure that, uh, assuming they're they're out on the cloud with you know with internet or Microsoft or so somebody's cloud offering, they're busy building their own their their own uh, um, servers so that they don't have the risk of getting cut off. Right, but it's not just a a server. It's also the app stores. Google, um, their direct competitor, kicked them off their app store. Right. And the Parler, in, in his message, he talks about all sorts of companies that have cut ties with Parler. All, all tech companies, because big tech now, contr- they bought the First Amendment from us. Well, they, 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 they bought the extension of First Amendment that, that they provided to us for free. <laughs> it's not free well it's well you have to listen to a lot of ads and give them a lot of your data oh true yeah no absolutely you're trading yeah yeah no absolutely yeah there's there's the old saying if if you're not uh if you're not paying for the product that means you're the product and that's absolutely true in this case you're giving them their your 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 data which they in turn use to um to, to, to sell advertisers who try to target you which a public access social media wouldn't have that issue uh, so and then you got tax dollars involved. We have enough of a deficit already. Well, that's pretty much all I got. Do you have a final topic or do you just want to make some closing statements? Yeah, well, I do have a final topic. Um, you know, uh, we would be remiss since we are recording this on Martin Luther King Day to not oh. um, to, to not um, uh, acknowledge the great Dr. Martin Luther King. I think he would be quite, quite appalled at, at what we've got going on in our country. He was a great man, and I hope that we can all uh, buy into the dream that he had and, and continue to work to, to make it a reality. Made a lot of progress. Got a ways to go. Okay. You said it Thanks was a topic, it. but I don't, I don't have anything to contribute. Yes, I hope you have a happy Martin Luther King Day. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. Thanks again to Alan for chatting with me on this topic. Topic here, signing out.